Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Placetech podcast. I'm Paul Unger, editor of Placetech. Joining us today is James Siegel, president and co-founder of Open Path Security, based in Los Angeles. Welcome, James. Thanks, Paul. Great to be here. There's so much to talk about in uh, the future of the workplace, the future of the office at the moment. Um, I know you guys are involved in, in other sectors as well, and we'll get on to those uh, later. But um, what what is it that you're hearing from clients at the moment around their office estates and uh, what they're asking? Yeah, uh, as you know, we make a, an access control system. So uh, unlocking the door at most uh, buildings with a, a mobile and cloud-enabled access control system, as well as supporting badges. So we kind of have our finger on the pulse of who's coming back to work, when and how. We've actually been tracking it on our website. We have something called our uh, social distancing index, which we use to track uh, return to work across uh, a thousand doors. And we've been actually tracking it across this uh, set of users since the pandemic uh, first started back in February of 2020. And so what you can see across uh, all these different regions is that it's happening in fits and starts that people are getting back into the built world. Uh, And it's geographically dependent. Uh, It is uh, always uh, different across different industries and verticals. And that uh, there is one thing that you can guarantee, which is there is no (laughs) rhyme or reason. There's total inconsistent data. Uh, It's just like a a wave curve that keeps going up and down based on different surges, uh, different, uh, you know, municipalities, uh, governments, uh, you know, federal and state policies, a whole host of things that are going on that impact and influence people's desire, willingness, and ability to go back and, and, and get into the workplace, get into the built world. So uh, the one thing we've seen is that it is just all over the place. Okay. And, and how does that impact on on what you do and your ability to, to, to carry on working? Well, uh, we go to market through um, system integrators. These are uh, folks who are low-voltage electricians. Uh, they are locksmiths. They are uh, security system integrators and audiovisual and security specialists who deploy uh, door-locking hardware access control systems, alarm, fire, intrusion, uh, and a host of other technology into buildings. I think they have uh, had a challenging time um, as they've had to balance, you know, the desire to service their customers and you know be in the field uh, installing solutions along with the safety and health requirements and uh, the various shutdowns that have happened so that has certainly impacted the rate and the pace at which our systems get deployed i'd say from a demand perspective we've uh, never seen stronger pipeline Uh, and so the interest in upgrading the physical access control system in a building to something that is cloud-based, which can be managed remotely, and mobile-enabled, which is touchless access so that you don't have to touch any keypad, reader, door. Uh, Those are are two big drivers that are uh, getting us a lot of attention and creating a lot of demand for our products. I think it's just more about how uh, we can get that solution deployed and installed in a timely manner, given the fits and starts happening in the world today around construction and new projects and so forth. And from the, the noises that you're getting back from your, your people out in the, in the, in the field and uh, the, the, the market signals, do you think that we're going to see a, a shrinkage of the overall office 
stock in the future? Um, well, here's what we're seeing, and here's what I think we'll see. Uh, in the last two and a half years since we commercially launched, we've deployed in over 26 million square feet of office space. Um, uh, hundreds of buildings, tens of thousands of doors, and uh, hundreds of thousands of users. And, and that's who uses our system every day. So there is uh, certainly an appetite to have this kind of technology in. What uh, we have seen is there are larger companies who have a large footprint of office space. They might have you know, 90 offices in, in a given geography. And they are moving their knowledge workers to an almost all remote workforce. Uh, uh, you know, they did that during COVID, but I think that there will be at least 50% of those knowledge workers that stay uh, partially remote. And so there is clearly a desire to um, reduce, uh, at least in the short term, their uh, physical footprint of office space. What, however, is interesting about this is that uh, those uh, large companies are still in long-term leases. And so they're not giving up the space contractually because they can't. They themselves are now becoming landlords. They are putting that product, that space into the sublet market. And uh, they're getting sophisticated very quickly on how to go about doing that and how to make that space appealing to a workforce and a set of uh, clients and prospective uh, tenants who want flexible options. And so we see a lot of these large enterprises putting our technology into the space that they're going to actually uh, move out of such that they can sublet it quickly and easily. They don't have to rekey locks because they've got an access control system. They don't have to um, you know, change the key codes on the door with every new tenant. And they can you know, subdivide the space uh, and create flexible opportunities to respond to uh, a very unique demand profile in the marketplace today. And so I'd say that uh, the overall footprint that uh, large landlords are getting paid for won't change, but the nature of who's actually occupying that space and whether it's a set of subletters who are you know, working on a much more flexible uh, set of terms uh, for using that space is more than likely going to happen. And have you had to adapt the product for Flex and for anything else in the pandemic that's come along? So uh, yes and no. Uh, we were kind of perfectly positioned for uh, this kind of situation. Uh, certainly could never have predicted the, the pandemic and what's happened. But prior to the pandemic, I think um, moving to a cloud-based and mobile-enabled access control system was a good idea. Everyone thought it was a good idea, but um, only the more tech-forward uh you know, landlords and operators and enterprise occupiers were moving in that direction quickly uh, as, you know, trigger moments happen. Oh, you know, we have to sign a new lease or a building is changing hands or we're changing property management firms or, or there's a capital budget to, to re, re, revisit the, the, the building amenities. What's happening now post-pandemic or in the mid-pandemic is that uh, folks are pulling those capital budgets in and realizing this has gone from a nice-to-have to a must-have, and they are upgrading and amenitizing their space in an effort to improve safety and wellness, right? Reducing touch germ spread because you have touchless access. Sure. Two, making management easy so you can have cloud-based systems so that you can remotely unlock doors from uh, far away. You can remotely manage the system. You don't have to be on-premise. 
And then finally, to amenitize the space, to make it more appealing so that they can entice workers, employees, tenants, occupiers to actually come back to this built world and, and start re-engaging and using it, knowing that there's been an investment made in the cleanliness and the, you know, uh, the safety of that space. And so what we did during the pandemic is we rolled out some new capabilities that have really helped our customers achieve this. So uh, prior to the pandemic, we had a feature called Touch to Unlock. Uh, you'd basically walk up to the door uh, and it has an open path reader on it, it's an electrified door, and you'd have your phone, which has your mobile credential on it. And you wouldn't actually have to take the phone out of your pocket. You could keep the phone in your pocket uh, or your purse or keep talking on the phone and you just walk up to the door and you touch the reader with your hand and the door would unlock. Uh, we have a capacitive touch sensor in the reader that uh, basically you know, gets triggered when you touch it. And uh, there's a Bluetooth connection that's made between the phone and the reader as you walk up and you're in range. So it, it all happens magically. What happened as soon as the pandemic uh, came into being is that we realized nobody wants to touch any common surface. And so we rolled out uh, a feature called t uh, um, Wave to Unlock. And this is the ability for you to walk up to the door, keep your phone in your pocket, just wave your hand in front of the reader from three or four inches away, and the door unlocks. And what I think is really cool about this capability is not just the fact that, fine, you have a very safe way to enter, but it all happened without anybody having to do anything. And this promise of this connected building, right, smart buildings, IoT, Internet of Things, connected you know, spaces, was realized uh, certainly by us in this example because we developed this wave to unlock feature over the weekend, tested it, and then we're able to roll it out to tens of thousands of doors and thousands of buildings over a week. And people literally woke up with the capability now of uh, being able to wave their hand in front of the door to unlock it. They didn't have to roll a truck to upgrade firmware. They didn't have to replace any hardware. Uh, and they didn't have to do anything. And so this idea of the building and the technology in the building being responsive and adapting to what's happening in the world around it is finally kind of being realized. And to me, that's a lot of the whole vision and promise of prop tech and smart buildings. And this is a great example of that actually coming true. So that was like a remote upgrade like you have on your phone where you in install a, a new iOS and um, you didn't have to go out and visit these buildings? That's right. Nobody had to roll a truck to any building. Uh, nobody had to push a button. No one had to sort of, you know, get it done. It just happened magically for everyone. And you now have the, the, the latest and the greatest, which is the reason why people want to invest and future-proof their uh, technology in the building is so that you can get the benefit of new capabilities uh, when they're happening and that you can respond to what's going on in the world around you. Uh, and I think that this is just you know, such a great example of that. So, so it sounds like there was a lot of interest in Open Path in, in 2020. Give us a little bit of a, a look back over, over last year and how was it for you? Well, uh, we went from 50 employees at the beginning of the year to close to 90 uh, now. Uh, and so almost doubling our employees, uh, you know, uh, as I mentioned, from a, a real estate perspective, uh, we added over 24 million square feet of office space to our installed base just last year alone, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, you know, our, our sales have, you know, certainly, um, you know, grown at a pretty phenomenal rate. I think that if you look at the next two years looking forward, you'll see that we will likely triple that square footage number and add uh, over an, uh, over 40 million square feet easily. Uh, and so, you know, the company is certainly on a tear. Uh, we raised uh, money. Actually, we did a big fundraise at the beginning of the year 
last year, um, which is kind of remarkable because it was during COVID. Uh, and I think a lot of uh, folks on the strategic side, uh, companies like Okta, who's a security company who invested in our, our business because we had a lot of shared customers, or Lincoln Property Company, a very uh, large real estate portfolio and property management firm. I think they control 400 million square feet of office space uh, around the world. They invested as well because they were deploying us across their portfolio. Uh, Allegion Ventures, which is part of Allegion, they make Schlage door locks, Van Duprin, and a bunch of other uh, door locking systems invested as well. And so we had all these strategic folks and also um, sort of financial investors, big venture capital firm like Graycroft, uh, put a, a bunch of money in because they saw that this was where uh, the built world, world is going. And this is kind of a, a, a a failure complete at this point. Like everyone is starting to say, this is a must-have technology, and for us that was a big moment, right? Where uh, in 2020 we went from nice to have to must-have. So did did you say you that you'd done something like 26 and a half million square feet overall in the two and a half years? But of that, 24 million was last year, so 90% was last year. That's right. Yeah. So so do you think that that was down to what happened, the extraordinary events of 2020, or was that more to do with other other factors and the stage of the business plan and the fundraise? You know, it's a good question. It is probably a little bit of everything. Um, I will say that having empty buildings is uh, a great time to implement uh, capital investment and, you know, to make you know, changes that would otherwise maybe interrupt the day-to-day, uh, you know, tenant experience. And so a lot of our larger portfolio and real estate owners uh, took advantage of that in 2020 and are still taking advantage of that now, frankly, to make uh, substantial capital improvements into the buildings. Um, I think uh, some of the smaller portfolios uh, might be a little reluctant and, and want to sort of, you know, hold on to those uh, investment decisions for a while. Uh, I, I worry about them because uh, you can already see that the service providers who install all of the different technology in the buildings, whether it's elevators or turnstiles or access control, they're uh, they're booking up fast, and there's kind of a rush on those folks right now, and will continue to be that way for quite a while. And so uh, I think that it's going to be tough to f- to find folks to actually put these systems in and install your buildings as uh, folks get closer and closer to. Uh, you know, a herd immunity in a vaccinated world, which is hopefully going to be where we are by the end of this year. Is that a challenge for yourselves in terms of that lack of supply of the installers and the the, the people to fit these systems? I think it, it could be. Um, what we need to sort of balance uh, is that we are a young new company in the market and there is a tremendous desire amongst the legacy installers and sort of the channel that takes us to market to have a new sexy product to bring to their customers that solves for a lot of the problems that they were running into. And so we're in a unique situation where a lot of those folks are bringing on our product line now as their lead access control solution and perhaps uh, not carrying the legacy products they were once so focused on. And so for us, it's more about we're taking over market share and there's ample people to deploy our systems uh, in lieu of the others. I think in general, however, if you look at the destination dispatch elevator world, uh, everything we hear from a lot of our, our portfolio partners is that um, those systems are uh, having an even longer lead time now to put in. 
And if you want to, you know, upgrade a legacy elevator in a smaller building, it's very difficult to get folks to do that. Uh, it's basically the new construction projects coming out of the ground for big skyscrapers are getting the attention of the elevator installers and the elevator companies. Uh, but again, this is kind of hearsay. Uh, nonetheless, I think, you know, there's there's going to be a rush on uh, the, the installers who put these systems in. And so this is the time to start planning. And what's the the reasoning behind using this separate independent army of installers rather than having your own direct staff go out and do the selling and the installations themselves? Yeah. Um, You know, we looked at, so you think about my history, I'm a serial tech entrepreneur and uh, I look at different uh, opportunities, market opportunities, and sort of decide to invest my time and money starting a company in, in a given category. So when we evaluated the opportunity in access control, what we saw were uh, a lot of interesting opportunities within the channel. Um, the nature of a commercial grade access control uh, systems installation requirements are such that it has to be installed by a licensed contractor who is a low voltage electrician, has a license to install this kind of electrical technology, which is a life safety technology into a commercial building. And they're required to have a certain set of insurance uh, they're required to pass a certain set of exams. They have to be certified on our platform. And they often need to be able to pull permits uh, locally with the city or county and know all the municipal fire codes. So there's a huge amount of work and complexity that is uh, very different on a region by region basis that goes into putting an access control system in. So it's not the kind of thing uh, where you can just, you know, uh, find a wiring person to go, you know, f- you know, drop some ethernet cable and, and there you go. This is actually a, a pretty specific kind of knowledge that you need. And that showed us right away that there, one, uh, was not a, a good reason to go roll up uh, a set of, you know, installers ourselves, but instead partner with the experts who are out there and have years of experience at doing this. Two, they have trusted relationships with their end users. And um, and we see that as a unique opportunity because that's a barrier for other people. And so we can get in and, and get those system integrators to take on our products. Uh, it's going to be harder for competitors to, to do the same thing. And then, you know, finally, um, given uh, the fact that we want to be a commercial grade solution focused on non-residential only kind of commercial opportunities, uh, we have a unique differentiation in the market. So uh, you look at uh, Latch, for instance, they just went public uh, via a SPAC uh, this week. They are very much focused on the multifamily residential space. Uh, they go onto apartment doors. Uh, their solution is great and really cool. But when we looked at ours, we knew that a diff, uh, an open path door needed to have, you know, 1,000 to 2,000 opens a day, uh, if not more, 10,000 opens a day versus an apartment door that gets open maybe five to 20 times a day. And so the level of uh, sort of uh, hardening that has to go on into the solution and the complexity, therefore, associated with it is different. And that's why we went after the commercial market versus the, the multifamily residential. Yeah. And you're not just in offices now. You're looking at other verticals in other sectors. Is that right? Yeah. What's cool about our channel is that they've pulled us into every kind of business that comes to them. So, you know, you think about um, why we built our technology. We really were focused on uh, commercial offices because that's what we knew as tenants of commercial sort of office space. We knew the puts and takes that are necessary to appeal to a building owner as well as to a an occupier who wants the access control system to integrate with all of the IT systems that the occupier or the enterprise uses to run its company. 
Um, and so uh, as our uh, channel partners started to standardize on us and get certified, they'd get a call from somebody who's running a gym who says, oh, I need an access control system or someone running a church or a school uh, or, you know, any kind of uh, a warehouse, you name it. And so now <laughs> we are in every single vertical that's out there. So we have large uh, school districts that have deployed us, universities and campuses. Um, we have uh, a big partnership with a, a, a gym software company called ABC Fitness. Uh, they make software that powers uh, you know, fitness centers and gyms all over the, the, the world. And they are rolling us out in literally thousands of gyms uh, and with a total of, I think, 10 million users uh, over the next couple of years. So that's a huge partnership for us. Houses of Worship as well uh, have really adopted this technology. Uh, I think we had some unique features that we uh, built out around lockdown uh, so that in case of an active shooter or some kind of emergency, people can trigger a lockdown from their phone. And that became really appealing for schools and houses of worship, as well as, of course, you know, the office uh, worker as well. So um, just it's interesting how, uh, you know, there's a universal need for access control. And if you build something that works reliably, that is easy to use, uh, it can appeal to so many other, um, you know, markets. And you, uh, you said you used the word tear that the company's on a tear at the moment, which is uh, is, is a nice way of putting it. That you, you're you're gaining this market share, you're doing really well, but it's it is quite a congested market. It's uh, I, I could name quite a few other access control companies and um, people that do the same or similar. What is the USP? Why, why do you think it's, uh, it's, it's caught fire so, so quickly in, in two and a half years to have the millions of square feet? Um, the problem in the market that we solved for was that there was very uh, little innovation happening uh, and so the new feature velocity coming out from the legacy vendors is, was limited and slow. Um, there was also the challenge of when new technology did come out, new features came out, they never really worked very well. And so what we did is we looked at, okay, we will build an end-to-end -end system. We will do so on an open platform so that we can interface and interconnect with everything from software and hardware to building systems. And then we're going to you know, go out and, and really invest in the user experience and do studies and focus groups and really understand what the user wants and what they don't need. And that's why we built this uh, technology that's kind of magical, where you don't need to take your phone out of your pocket. You walk up to the door, you wave your hand, and you can walk in, where you, know, you don't need to carry badges and key cards around and figure out which one opens the door or remember a key code. And frankly, if someone's at the office and you're at home, you don't need to drive in to work to let the vendor in. Uh, you can remotely unlock the door. Uh, these are the kind of things that seem uh, obvious to us. You know, we all live in an IoT-enabled world. We have a ring at the door, uh, Nest on the wall, and Alexa, you know, sitting on the counter. But the office space, right, the, the built world around us that we go to work in uh, had none of these capabilities and technologies prior to OpenPath. And so we saw that there was a, 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 an opportunity to take what we all use at home and bring that into the commercial world. And that was really why I think uh, we have been able to grow as fast as we can because we obsess about the user. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a lot that's come from the consumer world and the residential world. And there's a phrase that does the rounds in prop tech about people's homes being smarter than their 
offices or their offices being being dumber than their homes and 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 you guys i mean it obviously helps that you've raised substantial sums of money how much have you raised in total now uh, 63 million dollars okay and um to a lot of people myself included that that's quite an eye-watering sum to uh to raise and and also to be responsible for how, how do you go about spending 63 million dollars well um you know, we, we spend a lot of money at the track uh, and at the casino. Uh, we sort of, you know, go between those two places because gambling is really the best way, I think, to, to spend it. And, and alcohol, too. <laughs> okay. Well, any time that we uh, we can do some hospitality, then give me a shout. Okay. Um, no, I mean, look, this is not our first rodeo. This is the fourth uh, business that my partners and I have built over the last 20 years. Um, many have been, you know, well-financed, well-capitalized and venture-backed. Uh, and so I think the opportunity to uh, take in outside capital and apply it quickly to grow at a much uh, greater accelerated rate than would otherwise happen organically in this industry is what we have jumped on board to do. And that's what we're executing on. And that's the plan. And so, you know, you have to get comfortable with leaning in and being over your skis and, uh, you know, spending money well in advance of uh, the return uh, by building technology and capabilities that innovate and disrupt in an industry and then changing and uh, trying to really uh, move uh, the channel that sells this forward at a much greater rate that they would normally be comfortable doing and then also getting the end users to be willing to adopt this kind of technology that just it takes uh normally it takes a lot of patience and time and what we're doing is we're pushing it forward faster Uh, and so you know podcasts like this for instance where folks are out there listening and thinking about what they can do to make their properties safer, more secure, but also differentiate uh, their building or their office from uh, the next guy so that they can get that great tenant to come in uh, or, uh, you know, keep uh, their safeguard, their, their employees in a better uh, way. To me, those are the folks who listen to this and say, wow, I'm delighted that there's a company that's actually, you know, putting their best foot forward, that's pushing on the industry to change and, and giving us access to new technologies and capabilities. Uh, and, and those are the folks who are helping fuel our growth. And so uh, I'd say that, you know, that's how we look at our responsibility as being stewards of this money and to, uh, to continue to drive innovation in an industry that would otherwise be very slow to innovate. So you described developing the product. So you've got developers, the, you know, the coding. Is it software and hardware that you're you're in business in? Yeah. So um, it is unique in that we make the readers and the panels that go on the walls, uh, both the reader that's you know in front of the door and mounted there, as well as the IT the panel that goes in the IT closet that wires up all the uh, the door uh, strikes, the reader and the power supplies and um, uh, those are the two pieces of hardware. We also make our own physical cards and credentials and, and support the industry standard cards. Uh, and then we make our own software. So all the software that's hosted in the cloud, the uh, firmware that runs on the various you know pieces of hardware, as well as the mobile app and the mobile credential. And then we have this robust cloud-based API. It's basically a middleware layer that allows us to interconnect very openly with all kinds of different solutions. We have more than 60 different software and hardware technology partners who have built integrations with us. Uh, and we publish the API on the open internet. And it's a, an open 
uh, access developer network. So anybody can use our tools to build integrations, uh, which is very different than you typically find in this industry where everything's closed. You have to sign a, uh, an agreement and you know, licensing agreement and agree to you know, sell one another's products in a certain volume in order to actually get integrations done. And we just thought that that's just silly. So we make it so that anybody can integrate with our technology and take advantage of it so that uh, our customers who spend the money to install this can know that whatever is coming their way uh, can connect in and they don't have to worry about whether those uh, third-party software solutions that are out there or hardware things uh, are, are partners of OpenPath. Anybody can just connect and integrate. For sure. I think open API has to be the way. That seems to be where the, the wise money is at the moment. Um, and, and so are you incentivizing the, the sales force that's out there as well when you, you, you talked about you know, putting fuel into to accelerate that faster than the installers might ordinarily go. Is that is that costing as, as well in terms of commission and incentives? Uh, yes and no. Uh, what we've done is we've given our channel an opportunity to get into the recurring revenue business. And so if you look at access control installations in the past, they're typically kind of one and done where someone rolls in, puts the system in, and then you never see them again, and, and nor do you ever need to see them again. Um, I think what we have done is we've created an opportunity for our system integrator, our partner who, who sells and installs this, to have an ongoing business relationship with the client to help them solve future technology problems associated with access or security. And, and you know, the fact that they have now a software solution that's SaaS-based that continues to be paid for, but also continues to be updated with new features and capabilities, gives our partners, our channel partners, our installers, a reason to keep going back and educating and consultatively sort of helping and solving problems for that customer. As a result, our channel partner gets a piece of the action, right? They get a cut of the uh, SaaS revenue that the customer is paying and they provide a service for that. They provide an ongoing consultative you know, support uh, and, and service to our clients. Uh, and of course we get benefit from that. We develop software that continues to be upgraded and updated constantly and, and our clients enjoy that. And uh, what's great for our clients is uh, there's a lower upfront cost uh, to buy the solution. Uh, there's a lower maintenance cost over time to operate and run the solution because you don't have to have servers hosted locally and deal with putting in antivirus software and managing the network and doing all these things. Uh, and they don't have to worry about an outdated system that's kind of end of life or uh, not uh, on the latest version because they're always going to have the latest and greatest capabilities to respond and react to whatever's going on in their uh, built world with an open path solution in place. And so for me, that is that is the incentive that the channel now has to be involved with a cloud-based solution like OpenPath as compared to a legacy on-premise solution from any of the legacy kind of incumbents in this space. And that is driving a lot of adoption in the channel to move to OpenPath. Okay. And you, you mentioned other companies that you've uh, you've, you've built and sold before, um, including Edgecast to, to Verizon um, a few years ago. How does this compare? Did you, did you raise similar amounts with, with those businesses? Yeah, uh, I think Edgecast, um, you know, we got to about $100 million of revenue. And, uh, you know, our network there, I think, carries about 10% of the global internet right, on it uh, and is, you know, a, a large part of uh, Verizon right now. Um, and, you know, don't even, I think we raised $54 million there or something like that. 
Um, yeah. But you know, prior companies had raised less prior uh, or had been bootstrapped. Uh, I think you know, raising capital is is one thing. This was a business where the capital kind of came our way. Most of the funding rounds were preemptive. We didn't actually go out looking for the money. It kind of came to us. But I do think that um, in this kind of business, you know, the money uh, to fund and fuel the business is one thing, but having the right partnerships is another. One thing that has been really critical uh, is having uh, technology companies who are well-established uh, kind of advocate the open path solution out there, whether they're investors or not. So Okta, you know, big security company, we integrate with their service so that you can synchronize all the users uh, in your business or your company uh, with all of the users in the access control system. Uh, and they saw that integration taking, uh, you know, a lot of traction in their installed base and they decided, oh, we're going to invest in them as well as become a customer. But then you've also got companies like, you know, Cisco, uh, who is a partner, they have a a phenomenal video surveillance system that's cloud-based uh, Meraki uh, video surveillance system. And they looked at what we were doing and said, great, you know, we don't have an access control solution and OpenPath doesn't have a video surveillance solution. Uh, we have customers looking for best of breed cloud-based technology from two different vendors that works really well together. Let's do a really tight integration and then let's take it into one of our, our both of our respective channels. And so we're actually announcing that um, you know, next week, which I think is gonna be the week this re releases, that uh, we have a pretty huge strategic relationship with Cisco Meraki where uh, we have pulled in their entire video surveillance platform into our access control dashboard so that you have a sort of single place to go as a security professional to see access events and video surveillance events all tied together. Uh, so just another great example of you know, how both partnerships and capital I think uh, you know really helped to make a, a differentiated sort of you know position for open path in this you know crowded market as you mentioned. Absolutely. And um, what other product development uh, can we look forward to that's that's coming along or that you're bringing to market at the moment? We have a new digital badging solution, which we're very uh, proud of. Uh, and this is uh, an enhancement to the, the traditional physical key card or badge. Uh, you know, most businesses who have an ID badge and make employees carry it around with them do so because having visual verification is an important part of their security process and, and their compliance uh, to whatever compliance standard they're trying to meet. What we noticed is that people don't necessarily like carrying badges and they forget them and, and it'd be nice to have a credential on your phone, but you need to be able for that digital badge to also act as a visual verification that you are indeed uh, supposed to be there. And so we've added uh, design capabilities to our digital badge in the mobile app so that you can now make sure that it looks the same. It has the, the same design, color, branding, background as your physical badge. We've added photos so that you can now take your, you know, your work photo that's on your badge and, and have it on your digital badge and you can present it on your phone. Uh, we've added capabilities like uh, single sign-in so that you can you know, access your digital badge via an Okta SSO integration, which is important for large companies. But really cool stuff like two-way communication. So now uh, we're rolling out a feature in about 60 days where you'll be able to, from your mobile phone, call the help desk of your building or your business if you get locked out and be able to say, hey, my, my card's not working, my credential's not working, I don't have access to this door, can you let me in? And so you imagine how many times you've you know gone out for a smoke, it's five o'clock, you have your card with you and you come back and it's 5.15 and you can't get in because you're only allowed to access that door between nine and five. 
and it's now after five and you can't get in. Who are you going to call? Who are you going to ask for help? Just imagine trying to go through the phone tree of calling into the you know, building and trying to get to the right person. Now our customers can actually put the specific help desk phone number for the security desk or the property management desk or whomever into our mobile app such that you can call for help and, and right away get to the person who can solve your problem. Uh, and so I think that that's a pretty exciting and innovative new capability that our digital badging solution uh, is, is rolling out. So lots of cool stuff like that. And there's a host of other capabilities that we'll be pushing out this year that we can talk about certainly as the year progresses. Yeah, absolutely. And you've you've sh shown me that on a, a previous um, call that we did. And uh, for anybody listening, it's worth checking out on the Open Path website and uh, looking out for the mobile badging features that you're bringing in. So just b before we before we wrap up, how far along the road do you think you are with with Open Path? Is there is there a sort of date for an exit? What's, what's the, the plan there? Oh, um, you know, we're in this business because we love the size and the opportunity of this market. Um, we are in the very, very early innings here. Uh, and uh, I, you know, we're building this company to make it into a, a multi-billion-dollar uh, opportunity. We believe that we are the operating system for the building, and we have an opportunity because we know who's coming and going in that building. We understand the concept of presence because any human in that building is has got a credential and they're they're managed and and, and gained uh, given access by our system that we can now help improve the productivity of the operational security the management of any property because we can feed that information back to all the different building uh, systems as well as to uh, you know the corporations who are tenants in that building and so I think that we're just at the beginning of what is going to be a pretty phenomenal and industry leading company. Uh, obviously, I'm a little biased, but that's my prediction. Forgiven. And yeah, we look forward to, to covering the, uh, the the journey and the life of the business um, through all the stories in the, the, the coming months and years. Um, thank you again for, for joining us today, James. Always a pleasure, Paul. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this latest episode of the Playstech podcast. I'm Paul Unger, editor of Playstech. Um, we look forward to you joining us again soon.